You're listening to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans. If you want to have guarantees, you have to buy a washing machine. Either we win or we learn, and today we learned. Ardacha, Austin, shot at Isabel. It's infield to Mane, 25 yards out. Lovely ball for Pella. Onside, 1-0. Blue fast shot. Oh, my word. It's unbelievable. He ran around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It would be very, very embarrassing to watch. And now, now, now. your host, host. Matt Markstone. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast, a podcast and newsletter dedicated to the Southampton Football Club and all of the SFC fans and available right here on SouthamptonDelivery.com. My name is Matt Markstone. I am the host of the show. No matter where you are, no matter how you may be listening, whether this is your first time or you've been here before, thanks for making the show part of your day. I hope that you enjoy it and Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Uh, This is, uh, according to most people, the most wonderful time of the year. I've made my stance clear. It will be made clear in the episode if you don't know it. Um, but Merry Christmas. We got, I think, what we wanted. We got three points uh, from Aston Villa. Uh, we got three goals. Ings with a brace. Stevens uh, with a header from a corner. Not a lot to complain about in that match for us, uh, other than maybe the fact that we didn't quite come away with the clean sheet. Um, and maybe we could have asked for some other people to put away some goals too. But anyway, that's maybe asking a bit much. You have to be realistic with what you put on the Christmas wish list. And I think three points from Villa uh, being out of the relegation zone so we can have a relegation zone free Christmas. Um, not a bad thing for us, although the match is coming up. You know, we'll, we'll see. We'll get to that with this week's guest uh, on the show this week. Uh, is Tom Mason. You can find him on Twitter at Tom underscore Mason 18 or on Instagram at TMaso19. He was at the match on Saturday in the away end. And this is the second time in in as many years that that Tom has been on this exact episode, uh, the kind of Christmas special episode. Same result as last year as well. Um, So don't worry, I've booked Tom for every single episode from here on out because uh, or every away episode from here on out because three one away wins uh, will keep us uh, rolling right along. Um, and I joke, of course, because that's not probably realistic. Look at the schedule. You'll see what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, you can follow Tom. You can follow this show if you wish. Uh, but really, I think we're all just pretty excited about everything that's going on. So uh, I'd like to take a second again to wish you all a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday season. I hope uh, that you are enjoying your family. And if you're sneaking away from your family to uh, listen to this episode, hopefully you're getting it in before uh, Boxing Day, maybe this is what you're listening to uh, on Boxing Day or while you're uh, wrapping presents or making Christmas dinner, whatever it is, but enjoy it. Enjoy your family uh, and happy three points to Saints who now, uh, like we said, are out of the relegation zone and I am I'm quite excited about all of that. So uh, let's jump into the conversation with Tom. Uh, no time to kind of mess around here. We'll get you to it. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the time with your family. We'll get to my conversation with Tom now. I'd like to welcome back to the Southampton Delivery Podcast, Tom Mason. You can find Tom on Twitter at Tom underscore Mason 18 and on Instagram at TMaso19. Uh, Tom, you've been on the show before. Uh, you brought it to my attention and, and it turns out 
exact same week, exact same time, exact same result. Um, maybe you are the the good luck charm and the Christmas cheer that I need in my life. Yeah, I hope so. Man. I hope I can do the same again, again, again next year. Hopefully, it's another big away day win. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm glad to be back on. Can't wait to speak to you again. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on, and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's nice to be kind of uh, to start the Christmas period or the holiday season with a with a, with a win. Um, I, I'm a teacher. We got off of school on Friday, uh, settled in on Saturday morning for the for the victory. Went out, played terribly. Um, may have kicked my one of my good friends in the knee real hard, uh, but we won, <laughs> so I don't care. Um, That's good. We're here. So anyway, I, I just wanted to before we jump into it because I mean we have actual good news to talk about, so we don't have to avoid talking about. Uh, Southampton for for yeah. you know as many minutes as possible uh, as I as we've done on recent episodes but you know you're still doing sports journalism you're still part of uh, the team covering uh, Bristol Rovers but like uh, can I just ask you like what what that's been like over the last year of, uh, of uni to to be able to do that and kind of some of the things you've maybe learned about the team or some of the things you picked up while you're doing that yeah of course um, yes yeah, brilliant so I started Bristol Rovers at the start of this season um, sort of like September time um, Covering mostly, mostly home games, um, occasional away games, and it's just been like doing sort of like match reports and live tweets in the game on for uh, for still live. A lot of people listening will probably have heard of that similar sort of thing to the seven day echo um, online as well. Match reports, player ratings, um, writing up the managers' uh, quotes after, and yeah, it's been really valuable and something which will be able to be really helpful for my like CV and stuff moving forward. So yeah, it's been a great opportunity and. Um, something that's going to look good moving forward. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the good part. Like it's it I mean getting to be in there and getting to see that I think is will be good and like you said if somebody wanted to go into sports journalism that's you kind of got to you got to do it and I'm sure you'd rather yeah. do a little bit more creative writing than just match reports but you got to start you got to start somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's I I don't mind like writing match reports but I quite enjoy it like um yeah, any any experience I can get at the moment is valuable and I'm going to take it I'm not going to like sort of shy away from it so it's perfect really. Yeah. Um, not anybody that I've talked to on here, but I've had friends who, you know, while we were going through college and university, they were looking for jobs and they're like, well, I don't want to take that one. Cause it's like, you know, I'm a little better than that. And I was like, you're not, yeah, take it. you just got to do it, man. Like yeah. you just do it and you do it with a smile and good things happen. So, uh, so good, good for you. And, uh, and they're doing all right. Right. Like they're not, they're not, they're yeah, not playing really terribly. Well. Yeah. They're fourth on the table. They just changed, they just changed the manager actually. Cause, um, he, He's moved back up to Sheffield, where he's from, to manage Mansfield. Oh, okay. Because the commute was like really bad for him. Around, basically, if you don't know, Sheffield from Bristol was probably like three hours, and he couldn't was struggling with that. So they've just changed their manager and got a new one in. So uh, that's interesting. And um, they're in the same league, the seventeen down the road from us. So uh, I'm looking forward to going down to there later in the season. Yeah, yeah. And I guess that's a different thing, and I guess it's something that happens in football. But uh, I mean, I have friends who are Arsenal supporters who their entire yeah. time supporting Arsenal had only had one manager until very recently. Yeah. So uh, I guess it's all, I guess it's all part of it. So it'd be good. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you were, uh, you were at the game yesterday or sa- Saturday, I should say. Um, Saturday, yeah, yeah. I guess it was the last thing you did before you came down for uh, back to Southampton for the holiday. But um, uh, what were, I guess, what was your feeling going into it? We had, we had played re- relatively well uh, against the teams that had been around us and, and Villa of course were, we're, we're right there with us and, and we were able to jump them in the table as a result of the match. But like, I mean, for you going into it, what was your, uh, kind of, what was your expectation of the match? I was expecting it to be a very sort of tight affair, like very little between the sides as the sort of table suggested for the match. Only them above us on goal difference. But 
for us to sort of come into the game just to play on the front foot, play such an attacking brand of football and sort of play them off the park really and like they didn't have, a, have really an answer until the second half. I was quite surprised and um, it made me feel good because watching Villa then reminded me of them when they were last in the Premier League the fans were getting sort of very toxic a lot of like fans leaving early so it bodes well and I'm happy with the result and looking forward to the Chelsea game in a few days time. You think we have I mean we're jumping way ahead here but like did you get a chance to watch Chelsea against Spurs yesterday? Yeah I watched again they were they were incredible weren't they? Um yeah, that's not that's not what through. I wanted to see. Um, no, definitely not. Their second play looked really good. Uh, Spurs have been better lately, so I was a bit surprised that I expected Spurs to, to win that game. But Chelsea's defence looked strong as well, which has been something that's, that's maybe not been quite there this season. So I was a bit worried about that, but um, hopefully we can pick off where we left off against Villa and get a good result, maybe a draw. Yeah, I think I think anything from there will be will be great. Um, yeah. And and like a like a total U.S. bias personal note, like. When Lampard sat Pulisic, I I wanted uh, I wanted Chelsea <laughs> to lose. Um, yeah. Just shows you where I'm at with uh, with that. But that, I think that's I think that's fine. Um, but no, they 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 looked good. Uh, especially, uh, I am worried uh, watching William uh, cut in yeah. and then score that first goal and just think about the right side of our defense and what that'll look like. Um, it, it does not fill me with a ton of confidence knowing that he's going to be up against Cedric probably. Uh, but that's that's okay. Yeah. That's, I'll, I'll worry about that after after the. I, I don't want to. I don't. There's no reason to bring that up right now. We have good things to talk about. Um, Definitely, yeah. So so let's do that. So uh, we'll focus on the positives. We'll worry about the rest in a little bit. Um, so team sheet. I mean, I think it was as expected. Uh, McCarthy, Cedric, Stevens, Bednarak, Bertrand, Hoiberg, Prep, Ward, Prowse, then Armstrong, Redmond, Ings, and Long. Uh, Armstrong comes in uh, as a result of Janepo's injury. Um, and I, I guess Buffal was still not fit to, uh, to start. So, um, I know some people were a little upset that, that Che Adams was out of the lineup again, but, um, I think, I think that's the best we can do right now. I think that's maybe the, the best we've played and, and that, that lineup doing the things that it's doing right now should probably stay together. Yeah. hundred percent. I agree. I think with Che Adams, a lot of people said that because of his links with Birmingham, obviously we signed from Birmingham, uh, Birmingham being Villa's rivals. So I think a lot of people wanted that, but. Can't just play him just because of that reason. Ings and Long have been brilliant together in the last sort of few weeks. So um, yeah, I, I like the lineup. Armstrong came in did really well. Obviously, the defence has started to look a little bit better as well. So um, yeah, I was happy with the lineup, and I think it should stay like you say for the next few games at least. Yeah, and, and I mean Ings even came out and, and spoke about Long and kind of the work he does. And I think there are a lot of people who appreciate Shane Long, and there are a lot of people who are frustrated with Shane Long. And I think those two circles on a Venn diagram overlap. I think both some of us both appreciate and are frustrated by him because he sh- really should have. Um, I, I'll be honest. I missed Danny Ings first goal um, yeah. because I was busy slamming my water bottle on the ground because Shane Long missed the open chance. <laughs> um, and, and so it's just like that little stuff. Like I shouldn't react that way. I should give Shane Long like the benefit of, of him making the run, knowing what kind of Redmond was going to do, putting in the work to get there. Uh, and you know, if he could finish all of those chances and do all of those other things at his age, uh, he would be worth, you know, a ton of money and probably wouldn't be here. So like, I should just appreciate what he does, what he does do well, um, use, utilize him for that and, and watch Ralph do the same. And then, you know, be happy that Danny Ings is there to kind of sweep it up. Yeah. Danny Ings has been incredible. Isn't he? Um, long, 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 never going to score any goals. We know that like, his, his work off the ball and pushing forward has been really good throughout his career at Saints. So, um, yeah, and his deal runs out next year, but I, I think this club should be offering him a new deal despite his goal record. I think he's been brilliant in the last few weeks. 
yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to watch kind of how that goes out because this is now I think the first um well, I guess it'll be the one of the first things the not the board but the new kind of executive branch has to deal with is is uh you know uh, some of these players who are who didn't get big long new contracts under Les Reed are now going to be coming towards the end of theirs and how we approach that and how we deal with that um how much money we tie up in their salaries and stuff will all be uh interesting because if we're going to go out and and try to get uh, new guys, you know, you wonder what the those that wage structure will look like and if things will change or not. And so, um, yeah, we'll see. And I, I wonder if we sign him, you know, if it's a if it's a contract, if it's just we just sign him a one year extension, just say mm-hmm. go run, and then when the legs start to go, then we say thanks, um, but no thanks. But yeah. uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, I was actually I talked to an Aston Villa podcast last week before the game, and they uh, the guy was from Ireland and absolutely want to talk about Obafemi and Long all day long, and so that was uh, <laughs> it was it was fun. Um, I, I just want to kind of go to the start uh, of the match, and and I think right from the get go, we you know two quick free kicks. We looked like we were uh, the better team and, and started uh, fairly lively. Um, and yeah. I, I the one thing I would point out is that the the free kick uh, I think from the handball the second the second attempt um, it was pretty mm-hmm. clear Ward Prowse was going to go for goal, and it was pretty clear that Heaton knew what he was going to do. He uh, 100% cheated, uh, kind of over to the, towards the, the near post, I guess. Um, and was behind uh, several of, of Ward Prowse's free kicks, uh, comfortably. Um, granted they weren't in the top corner, but, um, when you were there, I don't know if that was going away from you or coming towards you, uh, that, that in the first half, but was there, was there a feeling? Cause there was definitely a feeling watching it that, that Ward Prowse had the chance to, to just kind of put us ahead right away. And that would have been a, a great start, but it didn't quite happen. But, um, for you guys was, was the anticipation kind of there right from the start once we had those two free, quick free kicks? Yeah. Putting a good start off was, was key ready especially against Villa, try and get the fans on their backs. Um, I was at the end of where Ward Prowse was taking his, Opposite end, sorry, where Ward Prowse was taking his free kicks in the first half. Um, yeah, Heaton had it covered and he probably knows him a little bit from England and stuff like that. I think it was good to get a good quick start and obviously, probably going to mention it, but McGinn going off injured quite early helped out as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's the the next kind of thing is it it didn't look like anything initially, but I think that's the problem is when something happens on the sideline or, or when something happens where it doesn't, there didn't seem to be any contact. There was nothing. He just, I think his, his cleat just kind of got stuck in the turf and then it, um, they showed it on one of the replays and I watched it back and, uh, it, it, it looked quite bad at that point, but, um, I don't know if they were trying to get him to come back on or what, but it, it, it looked pretty, pretty clear for uh, pretty quickly that it wasn't going to be able to happen and that he was going to be in some serious trouble. I didn't realize, um, until, I think yesterday this morning actually that that he had had broken his ankle and he'll be out for for quite some time. So that's a big loss for for Villa. Uh and and he's been he looked like, you know, he was one of those guys that that could have done something for for them alongside a, a, of Grealish, but um you know, I think it was Marvelous Nakamba who came on after that and um he had a marvelous uh you know, through ball for Ings or a layoff to Ings <laughs> I should say uh and later on, but we'll we'll get to that. So, uh, I definitely think that helped um, but Villa did come back in with a, with a couple of chances, uh, on their end, there was a, I think they had a box, uh, a ball that came straight across the six yard box that nobody got a touch on at all. Um, yeah. and then, it, yeah. uh, McCarthy had to come up with a, with a pretty big save there to, uh, to keep it at, at nil nil. Yeah, that was a great save. Um, it wasn't tested massively during the game, but it was, um, made a couple of big saves. It couldn't do much about the greatest chance and McGing coming off, like I said, it helped us out massively because I think we would have had a lot more problems had he stayed on the pitch. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to say, 
I, I want to say McCarthy played pretty well. I think he came up with the the saves and the times that he needed. That Grealish chance, um, it, it was beautifully taken. Um, you know, yeah. I don't get a chance. I ha- I didn't get a chance to watch him very much last year. The championship coverage in this country is not as great as as it as it could be. Um, yeah, I think most American football fans will know who he is because of the types of goals he scores and and. Um, I, I think we all watched him last year in the in the um, you know as as he, they were coming up and, and had to win. I think they had to win the playoffs, right? They they came up through the playoffs. Well, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, I remember he's playing in the old boots and all that other stuff. And I the only thing I don't like about Grealish is his socks. Um, I can't, socks, yeah. I oh. can't deal with that. Tell me about it. You know, Arsenal used to have the thing where you have to the the captain chose the sleeve length on the shirts. Villa should should do something about his socks, but he is the captain. Yeah. I don't want the whole team wearing that either. That'd be terrible. Um, yeah. but anyway, that's. That's different. Um, I think uh, when I was when I was looking, one of the things I was really impressed with early on is the number of, of crosses we were able to put in, um, and the quality of them. They were they were going into the box, and we had people in the box attacking the ball, and they were not kind of just lazy floated balls. They were not. They were they had some real whip on them. They were causing people trouble. They couldn't get it clear. Uh, I was I was really really impressed with with that and the the energy we were using and. and uh, the energy the team had, I guess, to to go out there and get, win the ball back when it was kind of you know there to be won, um, to get it out wide, to get it into the box, and and just keep that pressure on and not let Villa really kind of breathe. And I thought that was was fantastic from us. Yeah, it was brilliant. Obviously, a stark contrast from the week before against West Ham, where we just didn't turn up really and started to look how we sort of started under when sort of Ralph came to the club. The games against Huddersfield and Arsenal when he first came. And yeah, I was really impressed with the the whole performance, and we just topped off. We went topped off with a Ings getting a trick, but uh, it wasn't to be. And um, it's a big, big win, and something to take forward. Yeah, well, I guess let's go back and, and talk about uh, Ings' first goal again a little bit. Um, it came, I think Villa tried to clear. Bednarak was able to head down to Ward Prowse, uh, played it into Redmond, and then that that little dink. I mean, the the commentator here was saying how brilliant that ball from Redmond was. Um, yeah. I don't know if it was brilliant or if it was just a, we'll just try this and see how it goes. But um, <laughs> the, you know, I'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say it was great. Um, anyway, ball played over the top, just just a little dinked pass, uh, long, able to run onto it. And like I said earlier, I would have wanted him to finish that chance himself, um, just because I think it would have given all of us a little bit more confidence in in the fact that we have a maybe another goal threat up there. But um, yeah. Ings is in the right place at the right time uh, to to put away the rebound, and then from that point, like I thought, we still looked great. Like we didn't we didn't then turn around and sit back. We didn't wait for mm-hmm. uh, Villa to come and, and and bring it to us. We just kept on with the game plan, which I think is something that we haven't seen um, in recent weeks. Yeah, we didn't like rest on our lowers like the Arsenal Newcastle game. We sort of pressed for a second and third because we knew that Villa without sort of without Mings and people like that, they they were going to struggle to to deal with a threat. And obviously, it would have been nice to see long score, but. Fact his shot led to, to Ings scoring, maybe, maybe gave him an assist or something. But Ings just looks incredible, and if it longer game fit, we'd be absolutely fine this season. Um, and then I think you know, quite quite soon after that, we wind up. I mean, more crosses, and then uh, a, a corner, and Stevens winds up uh, getting up there, winning the header, and and putting us up two nothing. And at that point, I think it was Villa just looked like they were falling apart. They didn't have an answer. They were. And, and the, the I guess the cynics out there will say that Villa, you know, it's Aston Villa. They were terrible, and they were they were not good uh, for mm. seventy five minutes of that of that match. They were they were awful. But 
we took advantage of that. We made, um, we made them pay for the mistakes. And I think I've said it over the past couple of weeks. And I think a lot of people have is we weren't doing that earlier in the season. We were, we were, um, we were really, you know, we were punished for every mistake we made. We weren't making other people pay for theirs. And now I think if you look at the games that we've won, it's when teams have left the door open, when teams have made a mistake, we have capitalized on it. Um, and I think that's what you have to do if you're going to be in this kind of relegation battle that we're in still, because um, we're, we're not far off of, of being sucked, you know, down in the relegation zone again. It could all be different in just, you know, a week's time after we play two matches and, and whatever else happens. But um, the the idea that, that we're going to do this to, to other teams, that we're going to make them uh, pay for the mistakes that they, they ha- they're, they're making, I think that's as, probably as much as we can ask for, and, and we have to be proud of the team for, for going out and doing that. Yeah, it was nice to finally see it. Like, a lot of the games, like Arsenal game, Newcastle game, we had plenty of chances to, to see them sort of teams off, and it was very frustrating to, to drop points. But yes, uh, Saturday, sorry, was um, a very clinical game for us, and it was nice to finally see someone else other than England scoring. Uh, Stevens with a great header, um, yeah, it's a bit worrying ready for me. Like I looked earlier, no one, not a non-English player hasn't scored for us since the Sheffield United game with Dinapo. So we're very reliant on our English core players, which I don't know whether that's a good or bad thing, really. It's it's just Ings, Ward, Prowse, Bertrand, and and then uh, Stevens now, right? Like that's yeah, yeah. Those are the goal scorers, and it's, it's a little bit worrying, really. Yeah, it, well, it, I mean, really, if it, if something were to happen to Ings, like where would we be? You know, if you look at the goals oh, he scored, yeah. where he is on the on the the goal scoring charts. I mean, this, uh, the, the tweet came out and I think it was from the BBC that said a quick word on Danny Ings. The forward is the only, the third saints player to score 10 goals or more in a premier league season before Christmas, um, emulating Matt Letizia in 1994, 95 and James Beattie in 2002, 2003. So, I mean, I was in high school the last time the saints player did it. Like I didn't even know what football was. Yeah. I'd have been, I'd have been like eight or nine probably. Yeah. So I, I, this is, uh, I mean, I, at that point, I still thought I was going to play college baseball at a big university. Um, turns out you have to be really good to do that. Um, but, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he's in such good form. But, I mean, if you look at that and you take that into consideration, I don't even think we had a double-digit goal scorer um, in, in recent seasons. I can't... Um, I the last time was probably like when Pele, uh, Pele and Mane were here. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was looking back. I remember... I remember a couple of seasons ago or a couple of summers ago, looking back at some of that stuff and, and looking when, when Tadic was going to leave and looking at kind of where his stats were. Um, I mean, Long had scored 10 goals at one point. Um, Pella had scored double digits. I think Tadic got up to double digits, Mane. But other than that, I don't think we've had it one in the past couple of seasons. I think that's been a real issue when we have, um, you know, everybody or, you know, our leading goal scorer is eight or nine goals. I think Ings last season and he was injured for, for most of it, you know? So this is uh the fact that we have a double-digit goal score before Christmas, um, I think, says a lot about about him. But also, as you said, a real issue if if something were to happen to him uh, that would take him out of the lineup for an extended period of time. Because I'm not sure where else the goals would come from. We'd be in serious trouble if we if we lost him for any length of time, even if it's just a month. Because you'd have sort of Bob Femi or Adams coming in, and both of them haven't they've scored like a couple of goals during the season. So um, also, why we don't get many goals from midfield, Hoiberg rarely scores. Well, Krauss gets your goal from penalties, free kicks, etc. Defense very rarely contributes goals, so it's a bit. I'd be very worried if we were to lose him, and I'd fear for our sort of status in the division if we were to lose him. Probably would have to dip into the transfer market if it was in January. So um, hopefully we don't need to do that. But um, yeah, it's a, it'd be a big loss if we did lose him. But hopefully we don't. Yeah, and just to 
sidestep, I guess, uh, or step away from the the match a little bit for a second. Um, Ralph mentioned earlier uh, last week in the press conference that that both fullback areas will be looked at in the, in the transfer yeah. market, and and just the discussion that we're having about Danny Ings and the fact that for some reason our attack feels like it's working, and I think it's mostly from the defensive off the ball work that that it's working. Um, but yeah. that doesn't feel like the area that will make signings. I feel like, um, I feel like if we were going to make signings that the, the fullback positions would be good. I think we'd all like another center back, but it would have to be the right center back. And I'm not sure that's mm. going to happen. Um, but I mean, given that, you know, the discussion we just had about Danny Ings and the fact that, that without him, we'd be in serious trouble. Do you think that that's the area we should be focusing on? Or, or do you think fullback is, is the right thing or, or, is the team just kind of in need of upgrades kind of everywhere and it'll just have to be a little bit at a time? I think, yeah, a little bit over time, but I think right back or left back, sorry, is all back is going to be there, which we, I think we will see a signing in January, uh, whether it's on loan or permanent. Because basically, with Valerie out, we're, we're basically coping with two fullbacks. Like if someone happened to Bertrand or Cedric at the moment, we'd be really struggling having to play players that position, maybe Hoiberg, slotting in at left back. And I really don't feel comfortable with that. I don't see the need for us to strength in the tucking areas. We haven't scored loads of goals, but we do score quite regularly. And um, yeah, maybe maybe longer term, we do need to upgrade players. Maybe in the summer, depends on if we stay up or not. Because a lot of players will probably go if we do go down. So um, I think, yeah, the right back area is somewhere we will see strengthened in January without doubt. Yeah, and it's, it's it'll be, I mean, there, there are long-term issues that the club have to deal with, I'm sure. And it's it's no secret, I don't think, to any to anybody who watches the team week in, week out, that, that things need to change. But um, for now, we can kind of enjoy uh, what we're seeing uh, on the pitch, and at least enjoy spending Christmas not in the relegation zone, which is which is yeah. nice. Um, yeah. And I, and I just have in my notes a bunch of times, you know, uh, long innings are working well together. There's link up play. There is there are layoffs. There are a bunch of things that are that are that are working, even if long isn't putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, I think. I don't know. We talked about McCarthy coming up with the, with the saves he needed to, he needed to have. Um, I think it just going into halftime, you know, we had outshot them. We had more shots on target, uh, less possession, but not not. It's not an issue for for the team. The team seems to do better when we don't have the ball. Um, when we can, and I, and I think, you know, you could really see us uh, if we didn't have a pass, if nothing was on, if we couldn't play through them kind of quickly. Uh, the ball goes back to the goalkeeper. We lump it long and then try to just win it back higher up the pitch, which I think was was great, especially with Long up there actually contesting the headers. If he doesn't get the flick on uh, or he doesn't get the knockdown, then we we have another chance to kind of press and, and force them. And I just don't think Villa were good enough to cope with it. Um, they looked lost and they couldn't really get a rhythm going. And it didn't seem like later in, into the second half until they really started to uh, kind of try to assert themselves a little bit where there was a, where a couple of challenges going in and, and things like that. And um, I don't know. I, I think we just really uh, approached the game very well. I did think we got um, helped out. There were some, some we we took some smart fouls. We we felt contact at certain points and, and earned ourselves free kicks and things like that where we could um, be dangerous because I think set pieces once again were somewhere where Villa were were vulnerable and we obviously um, you know took advantage of, of that on on Steven's goal. But um, I don't know. I thought I thought the whole game plan from Ralph from from the kickoff all the way through was 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 pretty spot on. I thought we I thought we did everything we needed to be able to do uh, in order to 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 get the win. Yeah, I totally agree, Matt. Um, I think he's coming for a little bit of criticism with some of the team selections early in the season, but like again at the weekend, back to uh, back four again, uh, two strikers up top, and not when teams play two up top, especially with Ings and Long. Let's say Long winning the flick ons, Ings 
running in behind, getting the ball. That was really positive. And um, I think most teams will struggle playing against two strikers, particularly the strikers we've got. One, they're both very different. One's one's more of a goal scorer, like sort of in the in the sort of six yard box. One's more of a sort of pacey guy with a lot of lot of trickery. Um, I think yeah, it's positive moving forward and maybe moving forward after this slightly different approach with uh, more games coming up in a period of time. Uh, just kind of on that note, I think all of Danny Ings' goals have come from inside the, the bot, inside the, the penalty yeah. area, right? Like he doesn't, he's not out there taking these these long range efforts. He's, no, he's no. trying to find um, shots and, and things that are, are, I guess, of high value um, or from an XG standpoint, he's in there trying to, to do that. Um, you know, just looking at, at some of the, the stats, um, Aston Villa like did pretty well on, on some of the stats. Like they, they wound up with more shots than we did, which we'll, we'll come to later on. Cause they did have that flurry in the second half. They, I think they wind up with more dribbles. They wind up with more aerial duels, one, uh, things like that. But overall, I, it, I never really felt uh, until the, the, the last 15 minutes of the match really that they had a chance. Like there was, there was that, the, the, there was a little bit of, 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 uh, you know, kind of worry once they scored that goal because that goal I think was coming for them, and then they just kind of kept going and kept going, and then it was like, oh no! Um, but I think we we showed some resiliency and 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 should have probably uh, scored a couple more going forward, where we just made the wrong decision and and could uh, you know couldn't keep it down. So uh, anyway, um, moving on, I think that does the first half. But moving on the second half, um, you know, it's kind of the same thing. There was no real big change from Villa coming out. Uh, no formation change or anything like that. They they kind of kept doing the same thing, and so did we. And then Ings is kind of, I don't want to say gifted that chance because that's a very good finish from him on that. Yeah, it was on the second goal, and and that one would have been right in front of you this time. Yeah, it was. Um, you, I was as it was coming up. I thought, oh, come on, pick out a safe then. It ended up being the Villa player passing to to Ings, and it was a brilliant turn and finish, and that was a key goal because if Villa had got the goal early in the second half, I think Saints would have been a. Uh, a bit rattled and a bit sort of nervous, so it was key to get the third goal and sort of almost put the game beyond them. And the fans, their fans, started to get a bit, a bit uh, anxious and knew they were going to lose that game. So it was good for us. And I, I can't tell you about the scenes in the way. And, and but for all three goals, were absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, what was uh, I guess just coming coming out of halftime, going in the second half, up to nothing. Like, what was the what was the mood around around the away end? Was it was was the feeling like the team was going to do this? Like it felt like a good away day or was there still that kind of hesitation because we weren't quite sure if we were going to hold on or not? I think at half time, everyone was obviously delighted with what we were playing, but because of what's happened in the past, they were always nervous that they could come back into it despite how bad they've been because we knew they weren't going to be as bad as they've been in the first half again. But most people I spoke to were sort of, were, were confident we could get the job done, but always had a in the back of their mind that we do like letting leads slip and it was key that Thinking that it was key that we did get the, second, the early goal in the second half, which was key, and um, good that Villa didn't Villa didn't score until quite late on. So it was always going to be quite a, a safe job in the end. I mean, just just having a look at, at some of the shots that we were able to create, um, we forced Villa to take a lot of shots from outside the area. But if you look at our our kind of our shot map, we had some free kicks that were taken from outside the area. We had the the couple of balls that came out to Hoiberg on the edge of the area. But yeah. if you if you kind of zoom in to the six yard area and in and, and around that area, we had several chances in there to, to make the, the, the goal difference even wider. And we're going to have to do some work in that if we're going to, you know, attempt to, to claw back some of the, the goals from the nine nil that we gave up. But, um, 
I think I think we just have to be really really happy with with the the job that everybody did and, and that that finish for Ings uh, on the second goal not easy uh, to have to kind of turn and swivel and just kind of smash I'm not even sure he was I don't think he was placing anything I think it was just hit it hit and hope you know um, but it, it works out and and I think once we were up three nothing there there surely had to be that that had to put some people at ease because I kind of like relaxed once the third goal went in um, and didn't kind of get tense again until until Grealish scored but um, but yeah, I mean, I guess let's just kind of go on to this, to the, to later in the second half. And, and I mean, was there anything in the, in it that, that they started to come back into it or was it just, you know, kind of how it, it happens when it, when it turns out to be like, you know, time is running out. Either we, I don't know, either we just pack it in and, and let our fans boo us off the pitch for the second time in a day, or, um, you know, we have to kind of do something. And it seemed like, um, I think we were talking earlier, everything kind of went through Grealish. They, they were going down the left. They, they moved him over to, uh, to their left side. So our right side. And he was just running at, uh, Cedric and, and Stevens as much as he could. And Stevens did, did very, very well. There are a couple of good tackles he put in on Grealish. I think when they try to play him through once towards the end where, um, you know, the time is winding down and you're coming in sliding hard. And I think that's, that's exactly what we want. Like we didn't let up with the intensity, but, um, I guess the fact that they're just so focused on, on Grealish uh, and, and trying to get him the ball and that he is really their only creative force. And uh, I guess we do have to give him a little bit of credit because he is good enough to actually cause us trouble uh, during that time. And even if you know he's getting the ball, it's still, you have to put somebody on him and hope that, uh, you know, you can at least just stand him up and hold him off for, uh, hold him at arm's length for as, for as long as you can. Yeah, Grealish was brilliant. I'm not surprised, to be honest. Um, like I said earlier, he's in the championship, I watched him quite a lot and he was their best player by by country mile and I worry for them as well if he was to get injured then they'd be they'd be very uh very stru- struggling a lot sorry um but yeah Stevens again immense Bednarak pretty good as well and it was inevitable they were going to score because we don't keep, keep clean sheets as we know and um just pleasing to get another win over a team against like sort of near us on the table sort of like we've beaten the, the bottom three now in the space of sort of three or four weeks so it's sort of very morale boosting moves and um Hopefully we take it forward into sort of the next few fixes. Just looking at the substitutions that Ralph made, nothing until the 76th minute. Obviously, we were up at that point. Um, and Romeo comes on for Armstrong, who I thought uh, we should give him a mention. He had, I thought he had a very good game. A um, mm-hmm. lot of running, lot of, uh, a lot of... I don't know. I wouldn't say he was a standout player, but I think he a lot yeah. of the work he did... Um, he's not as flashy as, as Musa Janepo, but he was getting himself into good positions. He was... Um, making himself available for passes, and and really, I thought uh, played an, an integral part, almost like a Shane Long ish role. Um, even though he's a bit more creative and a bit more uh, composed, I think. But um, I thought he he played well. But Romeo came in and and tried to shore things up, and and, and kind of uncharacteristically, when he came in, things kind of got more intense. And yeah. um, I, I I and by by that I mean that that Villa actually kind of got um, more into the game. But I think that just had to do with kind of where they were in the game and how things were going rather than Romeo playing poorly or anything like that. Yeah, obviously it was around the sort of time they scored when they came on. So um, it was it was always going to be a tough game. And he's not played for a while. So he's, like, he's, he's come on for bits and pieces. But I, like I say, we've got to give Armstrong a huge amount of credit. Coming back from an injury, couple of weeks layoff, he's been, he was brilliant on the weekend. And even if Gilepo's fit, I'd rather see him start in the next few games. I think he offers more to us. Gilepo's probably a better option off the bench, much like Boothhouse, I think. Armstrong could be a great player moving for us moving forward as long as we can keep fit. Yeah, and, and I think the uh, I want to say this this four two 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 formation kind of fits him 
fairly mm-hmm. well. I think he would be the guy that would normally play in like a the best fit in like a a number ten type role. And yeah. granted, we don't have one of those in, in this formation, but um, not forcing him to play all the way out wide like a winger, but allowing him to drift inside a little bit um, and and press and actually you know play balls through for people. I think that that helps out a lot. Um, the other the other substitutions, uh, Obafemi comes on for Long, Adams comes on for Ings. Uh, we did have a, a chance for, I think Ings took a shot to try to to give himself the hat trick after Hoiberg. We had a, a three on two break that I thought we should have scored from, but um, yeah, you know, uh, and then a, a later, I think that's the same one where where Hoiberg gets the deflection and he winds up shooting it over. But um, once again, lots and lots of, of chances. Uh, you would have liked us to to put it up uh, to go up maybe maybe four one or four nothing, but it doesn't happen. But um, Anyway, we move on. Uh, is there anything we should worry about with, uh, you know, I, I think, um, was it Kaja who came on for them and, and Kaja, seemed yeah, to yeah. give us a little bit of trouble uh, holding the ball up? And, and that's kind of a, a, I have never seen him play before until yesterday. And he looked to be uh, giving Ben Rack a little bit of a, of a rough time and, and Bertrand as well. And um, I mean, is that something we should worry about? Because, or is it just, like I said, it's the fact that it was that point in the game where they were going to be trying to to get back into it, and and they had brought a sub on, and that was just kind of how it was going to go. Or, or is it? Or do we do we really worry about that moving forward? Or do we just kind of take it for what it is and and move on and focus on Chelsea? Yeah, I think it's a little bit situational because obviously they were going to have a spell in the game where they were going to attack and obviously bring this extra sort of attacker and was going to help them. Um, I've, I've known him, quite, I've watched him quite a lot actually, and watched him against Liverpool's sort of kids in the Carabao Cup during the week. Right, I think he's got a hat trick. I've watched him in championship as well, and he's always been a player in past with. So I'm just a bit surprised that he's sort of not really had much of a, a sort of impact or been played much for Villa this season in the league. So um, I think yeah, it's obviously we're going to play against Tammy Abraham against Chelsea, which obviously be a much harder test for our defence, and that was sort of tell us where we're sort of at with our defence at the moment. Because obviously they tore us apart at the start of the season, scoring four against us. So um, I think yeah, it's, it's something to worry about given that we've got Tammy Abraham to defend against on yeah that that Chelsea match is is worrying um but I mean Villa were coming off of this uh, you mentioned the the Carabao Cup defeat or or win over Liverpool um granted it was the the Liverpool kids and and for I don't know I I watched a little bit of that game and it didn't seem like that match should the scoreline should have wound up that way it seemed like Liverpool had a lot of the ball and they looked really like uh, all the players looked technically very very good they just were not up for the challenge of, of defending against somebody that was a you know a full grown person uh, who was who was strong and fast and could do all that stuff. And uh, I thought I thought they um, they played well for about 15, 20 minutes, and then I think they just kind of got overrun. But I thought Villa would have brought a lot more of that confidence into the game, and they just looked they looked flat. And I think that's that's what Saints fans have been upset about for so long is um, our team can't carry things forward. We we don't seem to take momentum from match to match, uh, and I and I think Villa showed. You know, that's why they're in this situation as well. Yeah, definitely. Although there was quite a lot of changes for that cup game. I think it was 10 changes, but yeah. even though it wasn't the same sort of players, they should have taken some sort of momentum. And from the start, they were just so, so flat. And like you say, it's a similar situation to Saints. We've only won back-to-back games twice a season, and that was against, obviously, Watford and Norwich. So hopefully we can finally put two strong performances in two games in a row. Because if we don't, then Chelsea would absolutely carry us apart. And it could it could, could get a bit messy. Like the last, Not as bad as the last game, but it could come that bad. And some of the to worry about the All right. Um, I mean, is there anything else on the on the match you you want to talk about, or should we move on to to answer some questions? Yeah, there is. Okay. There is one thing. 
clean sheets. I'm really, I'm really starting to get far worried about it. Um, we haven't had one in the league since Sheffield United in September. We nearly had one on Saturday. Didn't quite get it. Since the last game, we haven't conceded many goals, but we conceded goals in every game, sort of thing, one or two. And it's just, it's just annoying. Like it's, it's one thing I want to be on, built on the back. Look at teams like Leicester and Sheffield United, Wolves who are doing really well this year. They've built on success at the back, and if we don't start giving clean sheets, then we need to score two, three goals to win a game, which is, is obviously isn't ideal. Yeah, and especially given that we have one guy scoring goals, and yeah, it's it's. I mean, yeah, you have to go all the way back to Sheffield United uh, in order for for that for us to have one in the league. We had Portsmouth uh, in in the cup uh, before that, uh, or just after that. But I mean, that's that's been some time now, and yeah, it's it is it is worrying, right? Like. You you Sorry. really wish that McCarthy could have gotten there to to kind of keep that Grealish shot out, but you can't really blame him. Um, no, not so. And I think I don't know. It, it's hard to really point to a mistake uh, that the defense made that allowed that chance. Um, but there were other yeah. chances for uh, I think for Villa to score, and I, I don't think they had any kind of you know. Great chance. I think the best chance they had was probably in the early on in the match where that ball came across the six yard box. Oh, yeah. uh, and then I think uh, El Ghazi got on the end of one um, and McCarthy came up with the save. And I think it was still nil nil at that point. But I think that's their best chance. Um, but I mean, it's not like they didn't have any. But, but I, I, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what to do about that because the team looks so much better right now with four at the back because we're playing so much kind of. We're keeping the ball away from our goal for for longer periods of time. We're we're forcing other teams to kind of uh, into making mistakes, which I think is is where the team is best. And I think that's what Rob's been trying to instill in the guys for so long. Um, but still, we and 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 like we said, Stevens was great yesterday. Like he or not yesterday, but Saturday. He, um, you know, there were only a, a couple of times late on in the match. Maybe we should talk about it a little bit. Like there, he made several mistakes kind of right in a row as Villa were starting to get back into it. I mean, I don't know if you uh, were able to pick some of those out, but like. Um, I think he had a, a ball that he tried to um, to just kind of pick out of the air and he missed it and, and Benrack had to come in and sweep up behind him. I think he got turned a couple of times late on, um, but he didn't like hang his head and and kind of sulk and, and allow that to, to, to kind of rattle him, I guess. He just kept going and he made a couple more and then he kind of figured it out and got better. And um, I don't know. I, th- I guess that's just what happens. I guess that's that's probably the level of defender that we have. And I think that's maybe the best we can hope for for him. Yeah, exactly. Like everyone makes mistakes. Like even like Van Dyke made mistakes this season. So it's not only perfect, but I've, since he's come back to the team, I've been impressed with both his attitude and his sort of performances on the pitch. He's come. So sort of, he's been much better from a player he was last season. Sort of shows how hard he worked when he was out of the team. And I think we've sort of struck on a bit of a formula. Many fans would have wanted maybe Danzo to come back in, but he's sort of nowhere to be seen. And um, Stevens offers a good threat going forward as well. So I think. He's definitely got to be in the team for the sort of long-term future, but at least this season, anyway. Do you think? I mean, with the given the center backs we have, do you think that that Stevens and, and Benrack are going to be the guys that that should be back there for the rest of the season? I think so. Yeah, I've not been impressed with Bestegard at all. I think he probably should be sold or put out on loan. To be honest, I don't think he's that good. Um, Yoshida's always going to always going to work hard and give us all for the team, but again, he's he's not he's not getting much younger, and he's. With his game coming thick and fast, I think he's going to be a hard one to play. Obviously, Hoyt's on loan, and then the other one is Danzo, who's oh, he's not he's not really played at centre back, has he? So we haven't really seen what what he can offer. He's only played at left back, times in midfield, even right back. So I think 
yeah, we're stuck on a partnership with Bednarx. Not been quite as good as he has been in recent seasons, but I still think the partnership with Bednarx and Steven is good. And you don't want to keep something and changing it because it, it unsettles the goalkeeper as well. I think the, yeah. the two we've got at the moment are definitely the two which should stay there barring injuries and suspension. Yeah, I think Bednarak has not been as good maybe since he switched sides, since he went from playing on the right side yeah. of the three and then also on the right side of, the, of a two for so long um, next to Vestergaard and, and Yoshida. He's, the fact that he's moved over to the left-hand side, I think, has made it um, maybe accounts for a little bit of, of him not quite uh, being as good. But, um, you know, you look at, 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 I think what the manager said about him is, is Benrax the firefighter? He's the guy who's going to sweep up behind and, and put in ta- yeah. like the last ditch tackle and everything else. And he's he's good at that. And Stevens has been better on the ball and and bringing the ball out of defense a little bit and doing those things. So I think I think overall it's probably the best partnership we have. Is it great? Um, no, I don't think anybody's taking either one of those guys as as their defenders of the decade or defenders of the season. Yeah. But um, I think I think that it is it is what we have to work with, and in the fact that the manager is going to make the best of that, I think is exactly what we want him to do and what we expect him to do. And I think we got to be a little bit uh, a little bit happy with it. But the clean sheet thing is a is a definite issue because we got to keep it at some point. And you would have said like the teams we've just played; those would have been the teams you wanted to keep a clean sheet against because it just brings some confidence. And now moving forward, um, all of a sudden things get. Uh, a little bit tougher. We have a question on that, so we won't we won't spoil it yet. But um, yeah. you, you want to go on and answer some questions now? Yeah, man, go for it. Yeah. All right. So uh, you can send in questions uh, on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, or also uh, the patrons of the show can do it on Discord or on the Patreon uh, channel over at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. Um, Luke Millard, who was in the away end uh, over the weekend, says, given the tough run of fixtures following Villa, how many points do you think we will get over the course of the next five league games? So let me just read those off for you. So we have Chelsea away, Palace and Tottenham at home, Leicester away, and then Wolves at home. Um, what do you see us kind of getting from from those matches, uh, I guess, given the the fact that we're gonna we're still in this relegation battle and, and things are going to be moving, especially with the quick turnaround and all, the, all of these, uh, these matches here? I see us getting seven points. And I think I think we get a point at Chelsea. I think we beat Palace at home. I haven't been very impressed with them in terms of a, a scoring goals. They've not scored many goals, so that could be where our first clean sheet in the world comes from. I think we beat Palace. I think we lose to Tottenham, despite how bad they were yesterday. I think um, they won't they won't have Son against us either. But I think it will be a tough game and one which we we'll lose. We don't have a great record against them either. That's it, Mary's. And then the games after that, Leicester, it should be trying to keep it down as low as possible. I don't think we're going to be much of a threat in that game. And then I can see us beating Wolves at home. I think we beat them last year at home, and I think we can do it again. I've been impressed with them, but when we played them again, played them early in the season, we gave them a really good game, and we're a much better team now than when we were when we played them. So I think seven points out of 15 is realistic, and if we do get that, then it'll, I think given our rivals' sort of pictures, we'll be right in, still in right in the mix, but we'll be in a good position. For me, I, I, I'm not sure we're going to get anything from Chelsea. Um, I think a win over Crystal Palace would be great. If if I guess if we took a point from either Spurs or Chelsea, I would be I would be satisfied with that. Yeah. Um. I have a really hard time seeing us getting anything from Leicester. Um. Other than, no, I I'm not. It's it's hard to see us getting anything from there. And then I think Wolves, maybe a point. So, uh, I don't know. I think I'm I'm looking probably more at 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 maybe five points from that, which yeah. is not a great return. Um. But, I guess it's not that much different than what we've been doing over the past, over the, over the course of the, of the season. So it's a, um, it's a very tough run of games. Yeah. Very tough. And 
And I, I, I mean, we went through that earlier in the season and it was, it was rough on the fan base, right? It, it took a long, and I, and I guess the difference there is you have four games in, the, in an international break and then four games in an international break. And so you felt like for long periods of time, we were just sitting in and around the relegation zone and we were having weeks where there was nothing we could do about it because we weren't playing games to get out of it. Um, and at least this time it's, it's over pretty quickly. Like if you're going to rip the bandaid off, just do it right. Like Chelsea palace spurs all in the space of five days or six days. Um, then followed by, uh, you know, so you go midweek weekend, midweek weekend with Huddersfield, then mid, uh, the following Saturday against Leicester, then that's done. And then you have a week off to, to prepare for wolves, which I think is the, probably the first time you look at a, at a match from that, um, and say, you know, this is a, a legitimate chance to, to, to get a win and really uh, some time to prepare on the pitch. Cause I don't think you're going to have a lot of time um, in between these matches to kind of do things tactically. I think it's going to be like rest and recover, um, get back out there and play again. And of course the, the tactics will change a little bit, but um, I think by the time we get to the wolves match, that'll be the first time that we actually kind of really sit and, 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 you know, they'll have a full week of preparation. And so I think you look at that, you say that's probably the best chance we have because, Maybe Wolves will be used to this this schedule because they've been playing in the Europa League and all that yeah. stuff. But I think, I think uh, you know, well, hopefully, uh, just the the nonstop relentlessness of of their squad having to to play this type of schedule. Maybe that'll that'll start to wear on them now because I think that's generally when we see it uh, start to affect teams who have to play in the Europa League. So uh, that's my hope. Anyway, I think that's being me being as optimistic as I can be. No, yeah, I agree. I think with Wolves as well, we had a similar situation, obviously, being in the Europa League a few years ago. We didn't get past the group stage, unfortunately, but Wolves have. And um, obviously, the Europa League doesn't start again until February, I think. So that won't affect them too much. But they'll be used to the games coming thick and fast. And um, like you say, there won't be much training going on. It will literally be, especially after Chelsea and Palace, there's literally one day between the two games. So it will literally be a recovery game. And I expect we'll see a lot of changes for that sort of game as well. So I think it's going to be a tough run of games, but it's promising because it means at the end of the season, we're going to be playing a lot of teams around us in the table. So like the teams we just played, basically. Yeah. Um, I, it goes nicely into the next question from Kevin McGee here. Um, he says, do you think Adams will get more minutes over the busy period? Uh, he says, yeah, obviously don't want Ings to be dropped, but it would be nice if Adams can get more than five minutes at the end of a match. Um, so, I mean, just that, that in mind in, in Danny Ings injury record in mind, uh, the quick turnaround over the next couple of, uh, of matches. Like, uh, I even saw some people discussing it on Twitter. Like, you know, we were up, I think three, nothing at one point. It's like, okay, get Ings mm-hmm. off, let him rest. Uh, keep him fresh for Chelsea, but um, I mean, how much rotation do you think will will happen, and do you think we'll see Adams start a, a match or two over this period? I think there won't be too much for rotation, just because Ralph doesn't seem to. He sort of seems to have like a twelve or thirteen, fourteen players that he trusts, and doesn't really play the rest. So I don't think we'll see much rotation. I think the defense will stay the same because a lot of them players you want to keep continuity and stuff. Keeper won't change. I think maybe you might see Romeo come in for a few games um, for maybe. Maybe Hoiberg or as a Chelsea away, it's his old club as well. Actually, body in the field, maybe. In terms of Adams, I think I don't think he's starting the games, but I think he'll get a lot more minutes in in like um, coming on for Ings. Maybe maybe in the Chelsea game, he'll come on for like half an hour instead of five minutes or something like that. But I think his chance will come from the start against Huddersfield, like a lot of the players who have been sort of fringe players in them. It's it's a, it's a sad situation because we we did we did sort of track him for quite a while, but I think. He won't be starting many games, but until Wings is out of form, um, yeah, I think Adams will, will get a few more minutes, but not not from the start. Yeah, and it probably has to do a little bit too with with how those games are going. If we are, if it's yeah. if it's one one against Chelsea, and we you know have a 
a foot in the game and we're looking likely to maybe break through, I doubt we make we make a change. If we're down yeah. two nothing at halftime, um, and we're kind of just there, then maybe you just take things off and say, you know, we'll save you for the for for Saturday. And 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 I don't yeah, know if I was going to make changes to the team. I know I I don't want to say like maybe this is bad, but like maybe maybe Thursday's the day to do it. That Chelsea look good. They don't, you know, that that's going to be a tough match for us. Crystal Palace probably the one that we can um, take points from and and a performance you need to to have at home. So maybe maybe if you're going to make changes up top or anywhere, um, Chelsea is the is is the match to do that. And then you let kind of the you know I guess the true first team, the team we saw uh, against Villa play on uh, against against Crystal Palace after giving them a week off, but I, I don't know if that's realistic. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see a, a full turnover. And uh, I would say that, that early on in the season, I was pretty impressed with our, our midfield, but really now mm. if you're going to play this system, you only really have three guys who can, who can play in the middle, unless you're going to slot somebody like uh, you're going to bring up somebody from the youth team, or you're going to put Armstrong uh, a little bit deeper, which is not his, his role It's not what he's good at. And I can't see him doing that job that Hoiberg or Warprouse are doing right now. So um, I'm a little bit worried about that. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think as well, like he's in such good form. Like I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rest him. Like he's on absolute fire. Like you've got to keep him going for as long as you can. If he, if he does feel a bit tired after 50, 60 minutes and take him off and bring Adams on, but I think the way he's the way he's playing, you've got to keep him on for the, as long as you can. I, I would say that in uh, this is this is like maybe more baseball centric than I've been in a long time, but like. Um, Major League Baseball, you have situations where, um, I mean, they play five or six games a week usually, um, wow. but pitchers only play once a week. They they kind of they pitch every five days usually, and you get into situations in the playoffs where where pitchers will go in, and then generally you have a, a one or two starting pitchers who are your kind of like ace. They're they're the guy, and right now Danny Ings is the guy, um, and, and sometimes the 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 ace goes to the manager and says like, Hey, look, give me the ball, like I. I am doing this. I know it's, I haven't had my full rest. I know I'm not kind of a hundred percent, but I want the ball. I want to do this. And maybe this is one of the situations where Danny Ings goes to the manager and says, look, I can do this. Like I need to do this. And it's up to the manager to make that decision. Like, you know, I, I guess hopefully they will be monitoring um, levels and things. I imagine they're looking at his body and his recovery and saying like, you know, yeah. uh, you know, cause, cause like we said earlier, the, the, the risk of injury is so high that if, and if, and I think the, the the fallout from him getting injured would be such so, so detrimental to the team. Like that's the only oh, yeah. thing I'm worried about, you know. As well, like obviously we had three games in a week a little while ago. Obviously Watford, Norwich, Newcastle. He played all three. Mm-hmm. He came through unscathed. So I think, and obviously the games are a bit closer, uh, sort of entwined this time with uh, the, like the literally one game day between the two. I think he can play three in a week, and if, if he's in form, then it's it's a risk you've got to take. I think. Okay. All right. Justin Woodward, uh, last question from the patrons who get priority for having their questions answered on the show, says, are we likely to see any of the youngsters coming through uh, in the second half of the season? And also, is anybody likely to be sold in January? So I guess let's start with the second half. January is uh, obviously uh, a weird kind of season. We tend to overspend if you do buy players, but do you see anybody being sold in January or maybe uh, more likely a, a loan deal or two? Yeah, more likely loan. Maybe one of the centre-backs got on loan, uh, Vestgaard maybe, but maybe some of the youngsters. Uh, I know Will Smallbone but promising the fielders come back from injury so you might see someone like him go on loan or Callum Slattery or Kane Ramsey who played a bit in the first team last year but I don't think we'll see massive sort of changes in January in terms of outgoings like I said earlier maybe a few defenders coming in in terms of our first team yeah uh, what about 
youngsters coming into the team uh, in the second half of the season, do you think, I mean, I haven't watched a ton of, of uh, the under 23s or anything like that, but do you think, um, do you think we'd see anybody come up or, or do you think right now the team seems to be settled And and Ralph's big thing is, you know, he likes the small squad. He likes to kind of play the, the, sim, the similar team as we've seen over the past couple of weeks. But um, do you, do you see foresee anything? I mean, I guess for me, it would be that if there's, unless there's an injury, then there's going to be really no need to fill any, uh, bring up anybody and, and have anybody fill in. So uh, I don't foresee that happening, but what about, uh, is, is that on your radar at all? Yeah, I don't think we'll see anyone come in really, unless let's say there's injuries or suspensions. I've watched quite a bit of the M23s this year. Um, Callum's battery's caught the eye quite a bit. Um, midfielder, centre midfielder. Um, so he'd be the sort of the first one to come in, I think, if, if there was any issues in midfield. Um, again, Kane Ramsey has looked good when he's played. And a striker called Dan Alundu, who's looked really good as well. But again, we've got four throws ahead of him, so it's it's hard to see many of them breaking through with so much sort of competition ahead of them. So I don't think we're going to see many of them come through. Maybe a chance in the FA Cup against Huddersfield for a few of them on the bench or even starting. Maybe if we have a good run in the FA Cup, you might see quite a few of them play. But in terms of league, no, I don't think any of them will play much. All right, we've got a couple other questions here from Instagram and Twitter. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, so we have, uh, obviously we have, we have palace coming up at home and we've, we've struggled to, uh, to do that. So we have a couple of questions here, one regarding St. Mary's and one regarding why we can't seem to play this well at home. So, uh, spuddy one seven one says, why can't we do this at home? Uh, obviously the team has been playing at St. Mary's since 2001 to answer one of the other questions that's here. Um, so, I mean, the, the form at home has been, has been pretty awful. Um, the yeah. performances we put in have not been great. And it's, it's been a, a weird kind of thing. And, and yet the away matches, the performances have been better. And you are obviously in, in the away end and you, mm. you see what that's, that's like um, in terms of the support. And I don't want to criticize people, but um, I think that the home, there, there's something happening at home. And, and I, it, it's the easy thing to point to is that the support's not all there. And it's, it's people who are kind of just, um, you know, really quick to get on the team, but at the same time, they went almost a calendar year without seeing a win at home. You know, like they they have the right to yeah, be upset, yeah. especially given. Uh, I, I think the I don't know if you saw the numbers floating around where, um, when uh, I think it's when Spurs come to town, uh, they will their fans will pay thirty pounds a, a ticket and to sit in the yeah, same so, section. Yeah. Some of the same sit in the same section of the stadium. Uh, our home fans will pay fifty pounds, and so that's going to price people out. Um, and that means if you're paying, you know, if it's, if it's me and my two kids and my wife, that's 200 pounds to, to go watch a game. And if I show up and watch a team kind of, you know, um, half, half, give, give a half, half an effort, uh, and, and get played off the park, like I'm not going to be happy. I, I probably would boo at that point, you know? Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Like if the players aren't showing up, then it's hard to create an atmosphere. Like, and in my opinion as well, St. Mary's is quite hard ground to create an atmosphere. It's, it's just one of them sort of stadiums that isn't built for atmosphere. Maybe like the Dale, where we used, used to be, was really atmospheric. But again, the fans, like I say, being priced out 50 quid for a ticket. I know they're playing Tottenham, but 50 quid is just ridiculous. And a busy time of year, Christmas, a lot of games, a lot of other things to do, family events. It's it's going to put people off. And um, I thought maybe the, the wins against Norwich and Watford might start something, but we were back to square one against West Ham and the atmosphere was, I wasn't there, but from what I heard was, wasn't great so um, it's not looking very promising but hopefully we can turn it around maybe with some of the other clubs that still come in like Brighton and teams like that we can 
Burnley we can get wins from, but it's it's a top box atmosphere really, and it's one which is I don't know how we can do it really. It's just sort of so, so the players have got to do something to make it a better atmosphere basically. I think. Yeah, and and Ralph has has been he's he hasn't really criticized the fans. He's asked that the fans kind of get behind the team, but he's also said that the players yeah. have to earn it. Right, the players have to do this, and I think that's that's yeah. that's the best the manager can do. He's put in a really weird spot. Uh, it's tough to answer that question. And and the truth is the team just haven't put in performances at home. And it's it's gotta be hard when people are booing you and yelling at you and um mm. you know, it's it, it it's a bad situation all the way around. But uh, I think everybody, this is one of those things where like, you know, you can the the fans may be entirely right within their right to boo, but this is one of the maybe those situations where you can be right, but it's not gonna help the situation. So maybe you just put that yeah. aside and realize like we're here for the football club and we want the football club to do well. And so I'm going to set this aside and maybe voice that in another way. Um, yeah. But it, then the club doesn't really give you that, that opportunity. Um, you know, maybe uh, it, all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, are you going to do the ugly inside fan cams? And that's where you voice your, your frustration with the team. But um, you know, that, that doesn't necessarily produce change. And if we want change, maybe that, the the audible booing is what we have to do but i don't i don't know i don't, I don't think it helps the situation when the guys are out there uh i think it just sometimes makes things worse but i'm not criticizing anybody for doing that no yeah i agree um it makes things worse without a doubt i've never personally done this myself um just imagine hearing that if you're playing in the game booing and like saying, like saying negative things about you it's not going to make you inspired and and want to pick on is it like it's going to be a negative and i don't i don't get it when fans do it it's something which is negative and something which if they stop doing it, it might actually help us turn around our fortunes at St. Mary's. Um, Al Capone one five six says, "Do we start giving passes to the guys that we've criticized after the performance at Villa?" Like, um, I think Jack Stevens maybe one of those guys that's been criticized. That Cedric, uh, I don't think had a great game. I thought there were several times he was dribbled past, and um, you know he somehow still found a way to make himself stand out to some people. Um, and I think he's going to be uh, Cedric, maybe the new whipping boy for for me. Um, but I think his comments, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, make him yeah, stand yeah. out for that. He, you know, you set yourself up for that. You got to stand up and take it now. Um, and if the performances were great, if he was putting in, you know, eight out of 10 performances every week, I wouldn't say anything. Uh, I'd say good for you. Go get your move. But now it's like, uh, play better so you can get your move. Um, because, uh, if you don't want to be around, then I probably don't want you around and, uh, I got to support you while you're here, but I'm not, um, I won't be. I won't. I won't cry into my pillow when he leaves. I don't think. Yeah, it was so stupid of him to do that. Like, it's still such a long time a season ago, and um, no, no one's going to get on his get, be happy with him now. Like the way he's spoken about the club and saying, "Oh, I'm going to leave it in the season," despite how well he plays. Even if he's given his all eight, nine, out ten every week, it's, it's still going to be negative impacts from him because of what he said. And Stevens as well. He's had plenty of critics, but he's proven a lot of them wrong. You might have seen in the celebration as well. He's sort of in his ear with the silence in his critics sort of things. I think, yeah, I think it's, it's just how it's going to be, I think, I'm afraid. Um, and, and last, last like serious question here. Um, yeah. You know, uh, Man United, obviously uh, not having the best of seasons. The question here is, is do, will we finish above them? Would that be, and, I, and the truth is, I think, the truth is, I don't, I don't think we will. I think, uh, you know, before the season started, it, somewhere around 11th or 12th would have been uh, where we probably should wind up. Or, or I thought we would have, would have wound up. Now I'm not sure uh, where what's going to happen. Probably 14th or 15th is probably um, more likely, and I don't see United dropping that deep. Um, although, you know, I, I I'm not sure. But um, what I guess 
at this point, given kind of how the season has gone so far, where do you see us finishing this this season? I think sort of 15th, 16th. Well, we know we're near United. United will be way ahead of us come the end of the season. Uh, the players they've got, Martial, Pogba, Rashford, James, it's just far superior to us. And the resources they can spend in January as well. Obviously, they had a disappointing result from yesterday at Watford, but they've the past weeks they've beaten Tottenham, beaten Man City away. So they're capable of any sort of result. And we we nowhere near them at the end of the season. They'll be way ahead of us. Yeah. Um, better chance of us finishing near Arsenal than I think them. Yeah, um, without And I guess for me as a as an American fan, this will be a, a real test because I don't think a lot of the people that have come to the Premier League over the past couple of seasons, and I don't mean to lump all American fans in there, but um, mm. a lot of American fans know Man United and Arsenal, and they're used to Man United and Arsenal finishing, uh, you know, being in the Champions League or being in the Europa League in recent seasons. And uh, yeah. at, at this moment, both of them are out of that, which will be a huge shock to a lot of people. And um, it, the the good news is, is um, maybe that forces those teams to have to make a, a change and. Um, you know, do some things differently. And because uh, honestly, I just like watching good football a lot of the time. And um, the, if, if I get more football out of this, that's, that's good. I'll be happy. Uh, and if more people can be exposed to teams who are, are, you know, maybe not the normal top four, big six or whatever. Uh, I think that's also, it's also really good. So um, yeah, that's that uh, last question from, from Christian Candler here. Uh, I am very much a, a Thanksgiving person as uh, the Southampton news now points out. Um, but Christmas food, uh, you you do a big kind of Christmas dinner, uh, and if so, what is yeah. your favorite uh, thing on the menu? Oh, that's a good question. I quite like uh, the stuffing. It's quite a, probably not a popular choice, but stuffing seems my favorite. I don't don't know why. I, I'm a massive fan of all of it, to be honest. Uh, Barley sprouts, lots of sprouts, but yeah, I think stuffing for me. What I mean for for you is there a What's in a traditional Christmas dinner in England that that maybe I'm not aware of, or maybe some of the other listeners that if they're not from the England would would not be aware of? Uh, so you you would get uh, turkey normally, uh, stuffing, uh, so like sausage pigs in blanket, which is like sausages with like bacon wrapped around it. Uh, you get carrots. Uh, most of the time, you get Brussels sprouts, parsnips, which is sort of like a potato based thing, roast potatoes uh, with gravy on top, and then sometimes like cabbage or lettuce, something like that. That's generally what you get. And then you get afterwards, you only have like a mince pie for like dessert or like a Christmas, Christmas uh, pudding or Christmas cake. All right. Yeah. I mean, we we'll wind up with, with essentially the same food we'll have for, uh, for Thanksgiving. Um, it'll be a right. lot of the same stuff, a lot of mashed potatoes, um, turkey. Um, I think one year my, my mother-in-law did a, like a prime rib, which was, was really good. Um, yeah. I think this year we're doing another turkey though. Um, so I think I think for me, mashed potatoes are always my favorite. Um, I like mashed potatoes and gravy, and uh, I put gravy on everything. Um, so I, I think that's that's for me. I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to the fact that we're not making it at our house. So uh, uh, that's that's the big thing. We do have a couple of breakfast things that we do because we have everybody over in the morning for the kids to open their stuff. So um, I'll do some things Christmas morning, but that's that's easy. That's we prep it the night before. We, I put it in the oven, and then I kind of just hang out and. Um, you know, relax and hope, hope it's not raining, uh, which I, I shouldn't, I will never complain about really because you guys deal with it much, much more than I do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, um, I don't dude, I just want to say thanks. Thanks for doing this, Tom. It's, it's been oh, yeah, great sure. to chat with you again and, and nice to have another win. And maybe I should just schedule you right now for, uh, for next week, fixture unknown, but, um, you know, just same time, same place. Uh, yeah, so definitely. Another ho- win. hopefully the same result. Yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, thanks again for doing this and enjoy your Christmas with your family. 
And uh, we will talk to you next time. Cheers. You too. Have a great time. And that does it for this episode of the Southampton Delivery Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Special thanks this week goes out to Tom Mason. You can find him on Twitter at Tom underscore Mason 18 or on Instagram at TMaso19. Uh, links to those, of course, are in the show notes. Uh, Tom, thanks for taking the time out of your uh, your schedule, your time off from university to chat with me. Luckily, Saints had a win. I think that makes it uh, much, much better. So uh, we'll get you back on the show again soon. Uh, hopefully a, a similar result and uh, some improvement overall in the team. If you are enjoying the show and you are not doing so yet, you can follow it on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we are at SFC, D-E-L-L underscore I-V-E-R-Y. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash SFC delivery. Links to all of those things and links to sign up uh, for the newsletter. Subscribe to the show. It can be found at southamptondelivery.com, which is the website for the show. Uh, links to that, of course, are in the show notes. This is the holiday period, so I do want to say once again, thank you so much for uh, listening. It's an honor to be able to do this show each and every week. We are approaching uh, the three-year mark, and this show is special to me for a lot of reasons. And um, one of those reasons is is the fact that I get to talk to so many wonderful people, and I have the chance to uh, share their opinions and get other people's opinions about the team. And really the fact that I just get to enjoy this team, uh, for better or worse, with all of you, um, makes me feel uh, really good. So um, thank you again. We will be back, of course, next week uh, with another show. Hopefully, Saints are doing, uh, uh, continue to do well, and we can do that. But um, the show would not be possible without the patrons of the show. So thank you to all of you. Uh, if you want to be one of those, you can sign up at patreon.com forward slash SFC delivery. You get access to a private chat, priority for having your questions answered on the show. And the $5 a month patrons get an extra podcast episode per month. And the show couldn't go on without the partners of the show. The Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook is where you should go for all of your Southampton FC news and needs. The show comes out on Tuesdays. The newsletter comes out on Fridays, but a lot happens in between there. You can keep up to date with all of that by following the Southampton page on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and also Matt Beeling, uh, who runs the We Are Southampton page on Instagram. He does the logo for the show. So thank you so much for, uh, you know, three and a half years ago getting uh, a random DM from me on Instagram asking for some help. Uh, I really appreciate everything that you've done, Matt. Uh, so thank you so much. Um, that does it for this episode of the show. Uh, the music for the show, of course, comes courtesy of the Free Music Archive at freemusicarchive.org. The intro song is Epic Song by Boxcat Games and the end of show credits that are probably already over because I'm talking for too long is Amos True by Pottington Bear. Um, links to all those, of course, are in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. I hope to hear from you all soon. Uh, if you want to leave me a Christmas present, that's great. Leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. That really does help. Um, but thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, until next time, remember that together, we march on.